All right, it is time for the last episode of 2023. We are back again that time of the week, breaking down our top 10 shortstops. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It's Dylan Campione, joined alongside Nico Fernandez, James Tausig, and Henry Kalani. And boys, we've done it. The 2023 year is in the books. This is our final episode. How we doing? Good, man. Excited for 2024. Shout out to James. We made it through another year of Side Retired. Shout out to Nico, his first year of Side Retired. And shout out to Henry for coming back to side retired this year we've got a lot of fun stuff planned for 2024 but we're of course appreciative of all the support we've gotten in 2023 so we're going to give you our regularly scheduled episode per usual with our top 10 shortstops we're going to start things off by running through our list so henry if you want to kick us off with your 10 to 1 yeah all right starting at number 10 i have o'neill cruz number nine anthony volpe number eight jackson holiday number seven dansby swanson number six Bo bichette Number five, Xander Bogarts. Number four, Trey Turner. Number three, Francisco Lindor. Number two, Bobby Wood Jr. And number one, I think this will be a consensus, Corey Seager. Nico, take us through yours. Yeah, I got 10, Zach Natal. Nine, J.P. Crawford. Eight, Dansby. Seven, Bo Bichette. Six, I got Jackson Holiday. Five, Francisco Lindor. Four, Xander Bogarts. Three, Trey Turner. Two, Bobby Witt. And one, Corey Seager. James, take us through your thought process. Yeah, number 10, I have Gavin Lux. Number nine, Jackson Holiday. Eight, Carlos Correa. Seven, Dansby Swanson. Six, Xander Bogarts. Five, Boba Shett. Four, Francisco Lindor. Three, Trey Turner. Two, Bobby Witt. And number one, Corey Seager. And at 10, I've got Correa. Nine, J.P. Crawford. Eight, Dansby Swanson. Seven, Anthony Volpe. Six, Boba Shett. Five, Bogarts. Four, Turner. Three, Bobby Witt to Francisco Lindor, and number one, Corey Seager. So let's talk about that guy that we have as a unanimous number one. Corey Seager, is it a recency bias because he just won the World Series with the Texas Rangers going off and winning an MVP? Or is it a foregone conclusion that he is indeed that number one shortstop? Nico, you can lick us off. I mean, I think everyone agrees that as long as Corey Seager's on the field for the Texas Rangers, he will be the best shortstop in baseball. I mean, the guy's offensive production isn't able to be rivaled by anyone in the league right now. I mean, he. I think he's the only person right now at shortstop that can have over a 1,000 OPS. And the, that just had so much value to what the Rangers and to who Corey Seager is. I think he's good enough at shortstop that just how superior he is offensively, on top of the fact that he's been doing this for like the last five years as long as he's been healthy, he's going to be this guy as long as he's on the field. And it's just going to be like that for the foreseeable future. James, what's your thoughts on Corey Seager? Yeah, I think Corey Seager is undoubtedly the best shortstop in baseball. Um, he put together just an MVP-worthy offensive season in about 110 games, 120 games. Uh, I think if he played a full season, we would have been having more of a conversation about him versus Otani for MVP. Uh, instead, you know, just some some unfortunate injuries and time miss kind of pushed him off that. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, he had a he had an excellent season. Um, he certainly set the bar for the shortstop position in 2024. Henry. Yeah, I mean, he's he's that dude, right? And he 
He was that dude for the entire 2023 season. Um, obviously performed incredibly well in the playoffs, but yeah, his entire body of work this season just proves what people have been saying for the past couple of years. Um, like he's been in the conversation and he really cemented himself this year. I think it wouldn't surprise anyone with Shohei Otani out of the American League and Judge and Soto potentially canceling each other out with MVP votes that Corey Seager could run away with the 2024 AL MVP. And I guess considering we all have him at number one, we do see this as a somewhat realistic possibility. And obviously Julio Rodriguez still exists and Marcus Semien is still a baseball player. And who knows if Garrett Cole puts up enough numbers that he could get some votes. But there's a clear path especially now that Shohei Otani is gone. And I guess Mike Trout could also bounce back. But Corey Seager has to be an AL MVP favorite. And now that his biggest competition from last year is gone, potentially be the AL MVP favorite entering the season. But there is a second class of guys. And I know Nico just mentioned that he doesn't think anyone else could hit a thousand OPS. In theory, at their peaks, one of these guys might be able to, but that is the second class of shortstops in Francisco Lindor. Bobby Witt Jr., Trey Turner, Lindor, the best 2023, Turner, the best sort of consistency out of the group, and Bobby Witt, the guy that can probably take off the most out of any of these guys. Henry, I'll come to you first. The thought process on how to rank these three, because it seems like they're the clear two through four, but the order is definitely something up for debate. Yeah, I put Bobby Witt at two simply because not only is he the youngest, right, but I think he just has the most upside for the upcoming season, right? We saw the development from 2022 to 2023. I think we're only going to see that more. I think he's going to be able to draw a couple more walks, putting him in range of a 300, 400, 500 stat, uh, like stat line this year. Um, he was he was incredibly productive. And while he's not at the same level defensively as a guy like, like Francisco Lindor, he has the speed of Trey Turner and he has the bat of both of these guys. Um, Bobby Wood Jr., I think, will be a sneaky contender for the AL MVP this year. I think he's going to get a sizable amount of votes. Well, whether he wins it or not, that still remains to be seen. But not only is he going to have an improved season, I think due to his age, he's going to have a lot more projectability for the for next year, which is why I put him yeah. in James, your thoughts on the three? Yeah, I think I think that uh, Trey Turner uh, and Bobby Witt Jr. are very comparable players. Um, I just I just like Witt's. You know, he's a little bit younger. He likes to run a little bit more. I think he has a little bit more pop than Turner. Um, I think that they're uh, – Witt's also a better defender than Turner. Um, I think Turner may be a better pure hitter uh, than Witt, um, but but Witt's just kind of five tools kind of jump off the page a little bit more than Turner's, in my opinion. That's why I had Witt two, Turner three. Uh, I think they're both excellent players. Uh, and when you think of, like, the modern shortstop, they both fit the mold um, – they can hit, they can run. Um and and Turner's gotten better in the field, but but I think Witt definitely uh plays a, a better shortstop. Um so yeah, I, I just love I love guys that run a lot. Uh Turner was perfect in stolen bases all of last season. Witt uh, again had a 30-30 year. Um but but I have Witt just just slightly uh, above above Turner uh, in that two three slot. Nico, your thoughts on the guys? And I'd also like to ask, you had Lindor the lowest out of all of us here on the panel. Why so? And also just your thoughts if you want to add any on the other two guys as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, the big reason I had Lindor so low is I think that 
a lot of people overstated what this season was for Lindor. I think that he did do well. I think he had a 30-30 season, which is phenomenal. But again, only around around 800 OPS would end up being like 830. I mean, I think that if this is what we're kind of expecting from Lindor to be as good, I think if he regresses, that I think that that's kind of where he's going to be. Yeah, he's kind of going to be five. I think that especially with how some people I believe are going to bounce back, like Xander and how Trey Turner, I think that Trey Turner is going to have more of the standing ovation, post-standing ovation type year than the first half of the year. I think he's now adjusted to playing for the Phillies. I think he played October for them. I think he's now understands the media and the fans are performing for them. I think he's going to be more to the, towards the Nationals and Dodgers trade turner that we saw. So I think with those two things considered, I think if we have the bounce backs and Bobby Wood Jr. again, I think Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be the next guy to 40-70. I think it was Acuna, and now I think it's going to be him. I don't know if it's going to be this year, maybe, maybe in two years, but with those three things combined, I think that Lindor, if he regresses, because again, we were all saying how good of a year that we're expecting regression to the mean, that really puts him at number five. I think the key with Lindor is that he's not going to be number one. And as much as I'd love to argue for that, it's just not going to happen. But I think he has the highest floor of the group in that, knock on wood, I'm going to find wood somewhere. He doesn't get hurt, which puts him above a guy like Corey Seager in terms of who could have the worst 2024. Seager could get injured April 10th and we don't see him again. Lindor has never had that happen to him. I think even when Lindor struggles, he is a top tier defensive shortstop in the league. And a quote-unquote down season like he had in 2021 still resulted in 30 home runs. So I still see a world where Francisco Lindor is not the best shortstop in baseball, but I can't imagine a world where he's below, as Nico just mentioned, four or five, which puts him at this upper echelon spot and that I know what I'm getting out of him. I know a lot of people love the Bobby Witt projectability. And yes, if we're ranking guys based on their ceiling, Witt is higher than Lindor. But I tend to balance the what do I think we're actually going to get out of a guy in comparison to what they could maximize at? And I think Lindor, we know what we're going to get out of him. It's a 30-30 season. It's gold glove defensiveness and an 800 OPS, which sign me up for right now over the streakiness of some of the other players at the position. But James, you had one guy cracking the top five that nobody else did, and that is Bo Bichette. So if you like to defend your guy and defend your choice. Yeah, I think I think Boba Shett's just offensive prowess in general kind of makes him a top five shortstop. Um, he's a premier hitter at the position. Um, he he doesn't play terrible defense. Uh, he plays he plays you know league average. He plays fine defense, um, but I mean the bat is just unbelievable. Um, he's he's a tier one hitter uh, at any position in the MLB, uh, but especially the shortstop position. Uh, he hits for power. He hits for average, uh, and and he's just continued to get better each and every season, which I think has been the most important thing. Um, if you look at his numbers over the years, like his OPS continues to climb, his average continues to climb. Um, he just keeps getting better, um, and and that's why I think he has to be number five because I think I think we continue to see more progress uh, for Bo Bichette in twenty twenty four. Nico, take us through the former Boston Red Sox shortstop, Xander Bogarts, and you had him higher than anyone else had him. Yeah, I think Bogarts this year was a story of like the narrative of the Padres and everything versus what he actually did. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he had a good year, but everyone I think thinks that this was the beginning of like, oh, Bogarts is just going to fall off a cliff after he was done with the Red Sox and stop hitting. He had a 796 OPS, I mean, which is a good and good for a 120 OPS plus. I mean, he was still 
a fine hitter, an above average hitter on what everyone sees as Xander having a down year. This is the same guy that last year had a 900 OPS easily. And I think that we're going to see at least, I mean, I put money right now that he's going to have at least an 850 OPS, probably getting closer to 900. I think that he's going to bounce back before he regresses more as a contract as he gets older. Again, defense He's never going to be the guy that goes and shows impeccable range like some of the elite defenders like Lindor. But he's always going to be a guy for the last four or five years. He's been the guy who just the ball's right at him and the easy plays he's always going to make. He's been top five, top seven in fielding percentage, I think, for the last three, four years. As long as he sticks at that and he has the 900 OPS that people expect that he can have, especially since everyone was saying that this year he didn't hit and he had an 800 OPS, I think that he's easily a top five shortstop and could go high as number four. Henry, take us through the new Chicago Cubs franchise shortstop, Dansby Swanson. Yeah, I mean, Danzi did not have an incredible offensive year last year. Right? I think if anybody looks at his numbers, they they'll say that. But I think it's a it's a fair claim to say that he's the best defensive shortstop in the MLB. Um, he's he's proved that he can perform offensively. Right, his twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two and twenty twenty two seasons were great, but he will need to bounce back there in order to solidify his spot. And I have faith that he'll be able to do that. But the one thing that's a constant and is sort of with his other, with his um, middle infield teammate, Nico Horner, they are constants on defense. You know what you're going to get from them there. They're going to perform on the defensive side of the ball and anything that you get um, at the plate is going to just be an added bonus for them. I like it. And I have to go to bat for a guy that I never thought, considering the panelists that we have on the show, that I would have to be the guy that is defending the ranking of Anthony Volpe. And considering I'm the Mets fan on the podcast, and considering we have two people that probably, James and Henry, view him as the franchise of the future. James, you did not even have Volpe on your 10. Nico, you did not as well. And Henry, you barely found a way to squeeze him in at number nine. I had him up at seven. Volpe's an interesting candidate, because I think if you look at just his 2023 alone there's an argument for top 10 especially considering some of the guys that you you guys will talk about later on Volpe put up a 2020 with 21 homers and 24 stolen bases he won the gold glove in the American League played 159 games 600 played appearances the average is low and that's the big issue he hit 209 and it's almost like the Willie Mays Hayes scene for major league in that he's one of the fastest guys in the league why are you trying to hit fly balls? Just hit the ball on the ground, hit line drives, and be out a bunch of infield hits. And given the short porch, the home runs will come. But Anthony Volpe's big game is he gets on first, whether it's a walk or a single, he takes his jumping lead, and he's on second base easily with a stolen base. I don't get why, and maybe this is because he had two hitting coaches, one including Sean Casey, who was pulled from MLB Network. The approach just didn't seem right this year. And despite all that, Huh? Wow, you hated on Sean Casey. I love Sean Casey. And if he can come on the podcast, we'd love to have Sean Casey. But as a major league hitting coach, it was an interesting choice. But considering Volpe's floor, and I think this is hopefully, and I I don't know why I'm saying hopefully as a Mets fan, but hopefully 2023 was Anthony Volpe's building block year and that this is the worst year of his career, similar to Derek Jeter, and that he's going to develop into an even better shortstop Maybe it's, I don't think he goes farther than 20 homers, but it's 30 steals. It's 40 steals. And it's a 240 batting average. And it's a 700 OPS. And it's a 750 OPS. So if this is the floor, same argument I just used with Francisco Lindor, 
if a 2020 and a gold glove is the floor, that's a top 10 shortstop, without a doubt, because Andrew Alton Simmons, we argued, was a top 10 shortstop with a glove. And now add a 2020 season in there, and you've got a young 21-year-old shortstop that looks to be primed to make a couple all-star games in his future. So I don't know why I'm defending Anthony Volpe, given that we have two Yankee fans on the no, pod. I mean, but, yeah. I, mean I, de- I agree with that, definitely. I think that I'll be, I'll be willing to move him up depending on what we see by the all-star break, right? Okay. Because the, the number that I'm going to be watching so closely is on base percentage, right? He had a 283 on base last year. This, it's just not going to cut it at the major league level. And I think that you're not wrong that having two different hitting coaches is not, and just a bunch of coaching turnover and a lot of distress coming from the Yankees coaching situation wasn't the best for a rookie year. But, I mean, Yankees Twitter has been talking about it forever that, like, Anthony Volpe hitting 20 home runs was probably, like, the worst thing for his approach that could have happened in in his first year, like, as a Major League Baseball player. It'll be interesting to see. I think that if he – if they take advantage of stealing more, right? They did it in the beginning half of the season, and he just sort of stopped in the second half, and nobody was really sure why. Um if they can take advantage of that a little bit more, and I just want to see his on base percentage go up, right? If he can get it to around like a three, like to around three fifty, then I'm then I'm feeling very confident that he can be a that he can, you can slot him at seven or even higher, right? So we know he can play the defense. He obviously doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's got the glove for it. It just depends on whether he can get on base enough to to really maximize his on base opportunities. Do we want to get into the two? And I know Nico at the beginning said we don't have that many debates. There's two debates that are going to happen on this episode. Do we want to get into those right now? Or would we rather talk about the nice guys that we were able all to fit in at number 10? Judge, let's, let's, oh, get, let's get toxic. It is your show, Dylan. Get toxic. All right, let's get toxic. Jackson Holiday. Jackson Holiday's a dog. Nico has high as number six. I did Jackson not- Holiday's winning nice. rookie of the year this year. It's not close. Not close. So so let's talk about that one because obviously do I think Jackson Holiday is a good baseball player? Yes. But we have not seen him play a major league baseball game. And Nico's argued for the last couple of months that he will be the opening day shortstop. They still have Jorge Mateo. They still have Gunnar Henderson. There's still this really cool thing called service time manipulation. And it remains to be seen when Jackson Holiday actually makes his major league debut. Plus, We've seen in the past that guys in their rookie season might be great, but there's also the guys like Bobby Witt, who now we're considering a top 10 shortstop, but in his rookie year, we're not. Obviously, you're ranking Jackson Holiday over perennial all-stars such as Bo Bichette and Dansby Swanson and Carlos Correa that you think differently. So, Nico, you go with the optimist approach on Jackson Holiday, and then James and Henry, you guys also... You also find I think you both found your way. Yeah, James has him at nine. Yeah, yeah, I have him. At, I have him at eight. I just because I think the raw tools that he's shown. I think I I'm so big on the upside of this guy. I mean, it's I, the logic that I used for Bobby Witt is sort of what I used for him. That I think that even if he does get his service time manipulated a little bit, I think that he'll be able to put up a rookie of the year season similar to what Gunnar Henderson put up. All right, Nico, the floor is yours. Perfect. Okay. Number one, I don't think I need to explain to anyone that listens to this podcast about 
Jackson Holiday is the number one prospect in the league. I mean, the guy is a 19-year-old that just had an 1,100 OPS in the minors. Then when got moved up, then had an 1,000 OPS, then moved up, had a 990 OPS. I mean, every single time the kid got moved up and he needed an adjustment period, his, his adjustment period was hitting 1,000. I mean, the kid's filthy. The kid's real deal, son of Matt Holiday. Um, I'm His comp for me going into the years, I think he's going to have a Matt McClain type year. And I think if he has a Matt McClain type year, then he's going to be rookie of the year. I think that he's going to be rookie of the year. If he has an 860 OPS, 850 OPS, which is around what Matt McClain had, he's definitely going to be a number six shortstop in the league because I think he's going to be a good defender. I think short's where he's going to be. I think it's going to be him at short, Gunnar Henderson at third. And after that, I think that they're going to be comfortable. He's going to be what they need offensively after they get Dylan Cease, and they're going to be first again in the AO East as the Red Sox are fifth. Hopefully we get the number one pick next year. But I think that Jackson Holiday just his hit tool. I think he's shown the ability to adjust to every single league he's been in and be able to pass with flying colors. That I'm going to take stock on the fact that maybe he has a Gunnar Henderson, Matt McClain, like mesh here, struggles when he gets called up in April. And then from May to September, he absolutely rakes and ends with an 840 OPS, which he, if he has an 840 OPS and he's an above average defender, I think six is a fine place to put him. Do the Orioles who are trying to win an American League pennant have the patience to let him struggle for two years? Yes, because Jorge Mateo cannot hit water if he falls off. Yeah. When you look at their other options, yeah. like it's not about having the patience. It's about the necessity of a shortstop who can hit the baseball. Even like, the thing is, you can right have now, the patience. Yeah. You can have that patience when there's no one else around. Like him hitting bad is the equivalent of Jorge Mateo and Ramon Urias. And I will also say, because you mentioned them just for our listeners, you're probably wondering, where is Gunnar Henderson? Where is Matt McLean? We considered both of those guys at different positions. Same thing will go for Royce Lewis. So we will, if you haven't listened to our previous third base episodes and second base episodes, that's where those guys fell. And Royce Lewis, we will discuss in more detail on the designated hitter episode. But let's talk about, since we just mentioned Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa and the Minnesota Twins. Nico did not have him. Henry, I don't think you had him either. James, you're going to be the defender of Carlos Correa having him at number eight, and I had him at number 10. I'll start it off by saying the numbers aren't pretty. And Carlos I didn't Correa, realize they were that bad. Yeah. Until, until I looked, and that's why I was like, there's so many better candidates. I love Carlos Correa. And it was almost a year ago today, I believe it's a couple of days off, that I thought he was about to be the third baseman of the future of the New York Mets. And... Obviously, that all fell through. And again, we're just looking at 2024. So maybe he holds up for another year injuries wise. But there's also a chance that 2023 is the beginning of his tectonic ankle dying. And I'm not ready yet considering and we'll talk about this at the end of the episode. We're going to look back at our 2023 list because I did find those and I'm not ready to move Correa from number two all the way to off my list. So I'm going to give him that 2023 was bad. And that's the year that bumped him all the way down to 10. Now he's holding on for dear life. And if he is another really bad season, he is off the list. Now, James, you had him at number eight, which means you're still a Carlos Correa believer. So take it away. Yeah, man. Yeah. Carlos Correa's numbers last year aren't ideal uh, for what you would want at the shortstop position. Um, he didn't hit well. Um, he he played 
above average defense, but he didn't play the platinum glove caliber defense we're used to seeing. Um, but I think one down year, we can't just just stop looking at his consistency and and his ability to hit for over an eight fifty OPS for the last what is it eight years before before this past season. Um, he's a consistent one thirty plus OPS plus hitter. Um, he's a consistent uh, you know twenty. 25 home run guy uh and and you know he's gonna he's gonna hit 30 doubles 25 30 doubles and he's gonna play platinum glove, glove caliber defense uh and, and i think yeah last year was was not a good a good year for him and not a good look and it's tough to defend how bad of a year he had <clears throat> but uh i i still just can't give up on on him yet uh and and what they're building over there in Minnesota. It's tough to see him not having a bounce back year and him having success uh, with how easy the AL Central is going to be next season. I hate, I hate Carlos Correa. Like, it's not even close. And it's not even, like, the cheating thing. Like, it's not even, like, oh, my gosh, cheated, didn't really care. Didn't apply. Like, to be honest, I, could, I couldn't care less about that stuff. What pisses me off about him <laughs> is this one thing. For six years... I had to hear everyone talk about Carlos Correa is the clear best shortstop in the American League. When, if you look, go to his baseball reference, which I know, you know, awards don't matter, like everything, because at the end of the day, it's voting. If you look, you're going to see that there's something not there. It's a silver slugger. You want to know why? Because for the last six years, the better shortstop has been Xander Bogarts. It's been that simple. So I'm going to be honest. Is he number 10? Probably. Could probably argue that he's better than Zach Nettle. Am I going to put him at number 10? Over my dead body. That guy's going to suck. His ankle's going to go to dust. And you know who's going to be better than him? Mark it. Xander Bogarts. Why? Because Korea sucks. He's going to hit 7-11. 850 OPS. Never going to happen again. Guy's dog. Royce Lewis. Going to hit way better. Not even close. You're going to bench Carlos Korea. Hate that. I hope I hope he hits 6. I hope he's as bad as Bias this year. I Thanks. hate him. That's my guy. I hate his bias, bias. I hate that guy so much. Like with every fiber of my being, I've said for the last for the last year, every single time we're off this podcast, that he's the most overrated player in baseball. Awful. I hope he crumbles. His legs crumble. But that's that's my piece on it. All right. Well, I'm gonna give each of you guys 30 seconds now to talk about slash give your pitch for your number 10 guy, and that is Zach Neto for Nico. That is O'Neill Cruz for Henry, and that is. Gavin Lux for James. So, Henry, if you want to kick us off, your time begins now. Yeah. O'Neill Cruz had an incredible an incredible 2022. And, I mean, I've talked about seeing him in person, how incredible it was. The guy has power that you won't believe. And I think that he'll be able to stay healthy this year. It was a freak accident last year that kept him on the shelf. I think that he has shown that he has the tools to perform at, at the major league level. And it's just about actually translating it now. I sort of hedged my bets here, putting him at a 10. I think he could definitely project higher, but I felt it felt wrong to not put a guy that who has the tools that high. Nico Zach Neto. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm big on Zach Neto. I think Zach Neto has one thing that he can't teach, which is just confidence. I think the guy, ever since he went to the league, I mean, he has that like Justin Turner high leg kick. And that really shows, I think the first month of the year is more we get out of him. I think he went, he pulled his hamstring and kind of had a couple injury issues. And as he tried to play through them in his rookie year, 
he really started to went down offensively. I think that as he adjusts to baseball, I think he's going to be a lot better. One thing that he does very well is he doesn't chase at anything. I think his walk rate was at like 6%, which is not good. But his chase percentage, I think, was in like the 80th percentile. I think it's only going to get better. And I think as his chase percentage stays at that, his walk rate's only going to go up. And I think as he adjusts his sophomore year, I think he's going to find a lot more barrel. And to be honest, his pimp jobs just look immaculate. So that's uh, like I have to I have to put him on the list just for the pimp jobs. James, Gavin Lux. Yeah, last year was supposed to be the year of Gavin Lux. Uh, he was finally going to be the full-time shortstop for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, and then, unfortunately, a big-time injury in spring training uh, ruined those plans uh, for him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think I think Lux had a great 2022. Uh, finally had a, a 109 OPS plus season. Finally got over 100. Um, he plays good defense. Um he he showed signs of of looking like he could be the guy, um, and and I'm really interested to see, um, coming off this this major injury, uh, I think he put in the work. I think he's ready to be the guy in Los Angeles. Uh, I think his ceiling is is very high, um, and yeah, I mean with this roster that's built around him, they're not even going to ask that much of him. So I think that that makes it just very easy for him to go out. And have a big year. Uh, there's no pressure. Uh, there, there's no anything. He's gonna hit like seventh or eighth in that order, um, and and just have the ability to do damage because the guys in front of him are just so good and are gonna do so much uh, to to just take the load off of him. I like it. I'm gonna go to battle for one of the most underrated players in baseball. Henry hates him for whatever reason. That's J.P. Crawford, who. Last I don't hate J.P. Crawford. You hate J.P. Crawford. I don't. I just didn't put him on my top 10 list, and I think that the Mariners should per, should have pursued different shortstop options when they had the like the best shortstop class of free agents ever. Well, we're talking about a guy that put up a 131 OPS+. plus. He got MVP votes. He had the most walks in baseball. Somehow hit 20 homers last year. That nobody talks about. And he also put up a five-war season. And that's J.P. Crawford, who sneaky underrated. I think a lot of people don't put enough respect on him. He's got a gold glove in his career. And one of those guys, I know I keep going back to this argument, not going to be the number one. Like, pretty straightforward. But now, we talked about this before the episode. And Nico 100% agrees with me. If Carlos Correa in 2023... Put up the numbers that J.P. Crawford did. So just take the five war, the 20 bombs, the 131 OPS plus. Carlos Curry would be like the number two shortstop in baseball right now. So I don't get why if Correa did it, we'd all be saying, oh, my God, the Mets contract or the Giants contract is worth it. What are they doing? Versus J.P. Crawford puts it up and everyone's like, oh, look at that cute little season in Seattle. Not a top 10 shortstop, but let's give him some props. So. I'm going to say, given that he did put up those numbers and blindly looking at who put them up, oh, it's J.P. Crawford. That's a top 10 shortstop season. And he's done it for a couple of years now. Past couple of seasons, league average hitter. And then this year he really took off. I don't think maybe 130 is repeatable. But if he puts up 115, 120, as well as putting up gold glove caliber defense, hitting another 20 bombs and leading the Mariners back to the playoffs, that's a top 10 shortstop in baseball. And there's not really an argument against it given the lackluster class as we get down to this eight through ten spots i completely agree with everything you said especially the korea part i mean i think that 
the big thing <laughs> that it's JP Crawford that had that year and not the guys who we typically expect to have these years. I think that a lot of it is, again, like you said, was a league average guy to below league average. Like, I think I understand where they're coming from because we need to see this again to really have him solidify himself. But I easily think he can solidify it, especially if this is like more not his ceiling, but more of what can be. I think definitely he's a top 10 shortstop. And let's get into our favorite segment here to round things off. A nice edition of Yay or Nay. Thank you again to all of our listeners that submitted their hot takes that they wanted us to review. Game is simple. Yay if you approve of their take. Nay if you don't approve of their take. And again, Left Fielders is coming up next week. So SideRetiredPod at gmail.com if you want to let us know your takes on left field. We'll start off with Matt Potter saying that Tim Anderson is a top 10 shortstop still in Major League Baseball, Henry. I mean, it, I would love to see him go to a better situation than he had in Chicago and prove that he is. But there's no way you can look at the season that he just had and everything that happened in it and tell me that he's going to be a top 10 shortstop next year. All right, Nico, I'll come to you for this next one, and that is Matt Potter also said that Ellie De La Cruz is a top 10 shortstop in baseball. I think he needs a little bit. I think that everyone kind of got enchanted by like what that one week slash like three weeks of Ellie De La Cruz was. He wasn't good. Like if like in, in things of the whole season, I mean, it really was just like kind of a blip. And the rest was what you typically see. Um, I think that he's going to grow. I think he needs time to develop. I think because he's just such a very talent-based, like very like high ceiling. I think next year isn't the year he's going to be a top 10 shortstop. I think what's telling there is that our resident Reds fan, Harry Kilman, who is in love with Ellie De La Cruz, did not put him on his list. So if Harry doesn't buy an Ellie, I don't know why any of us should as well. James, you've got this one that it's two veterans at the shortstop position, not really getting much consideration right now, and that is Trevor Story and Javier Baez. Two listeners had them on their list. Is there any world where either of those guys bounce back and actually regain some competency at shortstop? Not a chance. They're both terrible. Baez is going to end up being one of the worst contracts ever given out in baseball history. <laughs> How about Henry? I'll come to you. Willie Adamas, underrated shortstop, made some listeners' lists. Yeah, Willie Davis is he's a great pickup. I mean, but no, I'm sorry. Like, no. Like, if it was 2021, sure. Like, by like I'm bought in, I'm I'm willing to go for it. But it just feels like it feels like the the crop of shortstops has advanced so much, especially over the last couple of years, that Willie Davis just isn't he doesn't stack up anymore in the same way. How about Nico? We had two listeners that bought in on the young guys, and someone had Mason Wynn of the St. Louis Cardinals sneaking in as their number 10 by the end of the year, and someone also had Jordan Lawler sneaking in at number 10. Mason Wynn, I'm not big on. I, I think that he's more like a defensive stopper, like, and I don't see like his hit tool being enough, at least in the first year. Um, Jordan Lawler is interesting. I think Jordan Lawler could is kind of the prime candidate for me to have that struggled in like his cup of coffee in September comes into like to have his first full year and absolutely mashes. I could easily see that happening for him. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he may get um a little bit like in like a weird spot with Perdomo being at short, but I could easily see if he's becomes the everyday shortstop, him having a big year after, you know, tasting and making adjustments. I think easily he could have an 800 OPS hero and no one's really noticing. James, talk to us about a guy that a lot of people had in their top 10 last year and has seemingly 
not done great since then, and that is Jeremy Pena. Yeah, I think people kind of, uh, you know, ate the cheese uh, of him having a good playoffs. Uh, I don't think he was very good in the regular season last year. Um, he hit 20-plus homers, and everyone was uh, enamored by that. Um, the defense is overrated. Uh, the bat is terrible. He chases. He strikes out way too much. He doesn't walk. Um, he's like he's like the wannabe uh, new new uh, new new uh, new era shortstop. Um, he hits. He has power. He has he has like fifty grade power. He has eighty grade speed. He has like an above average glove. He's not he's not a platinum glover. He's not. He's not a gold glover. He's he's above average though in the field. Um, but yeah, the guy just can't hit the ball. Like um, he chases. He'll swing at every slider low and away. Um, he's throwing fastball in the middle uh, over ninety six. He won't hit it. Like it, he, he's just not a good hitter. Um, and he got completely exposed last year. Didn't hit a home run after July sixth. Um, yes, he played the entire rest of the season. Uh, didn't hit one. Um, so yeah, I think Pena uh, is is really overrated. Uh, shouldn't even be in anyone's top twenty. And then let's get to, of course, we love this list at the end here. David Halford has submitted his top ten shortstop Major League Baseball. It starts off really good. Corey Seager's at one. Francisco Lindor is at two. Bobby Witt is at number three. Dansby Swanson has found his way up to number four. Ooh, defense over everything. Defense wins championships. Trey Turner's at five. Xander Bogarts is at six. My guy JP Crawford has skyrocketed up his list at number seven. The hometown hero Anthony Volpe finds his way at number eight. Carlos Correa, he's still buying in the hype at number nine. And at number 10, Washington National shortstop CJ Abrams. This is not a bad list. I like the CJ Abrams like hedging the bet there because like. I think the Nationals have a couple more years until their window really opens, but Abrams had a lot of improvement last year. Sounds yeah, like- I mean, I think kind of how we see 10 as, like, the guy who we have as, like, breaking out. I think CJ, he was one of the guys that I thought about putting at number 10 and, like, kind of seeing a breakout from him even more. Um, obviously, he had the right guys there. He had a lot of the right people. It's just the order. Like, I don't know if Danzy Swanson's four. I think that Danzy Swanson's one of the guys that we – I'll expect to be better offensively, and he just never really is. But if he ever hits our expectations, he'll definitely be four. And this was also, because I went back into the depths of side-retired history, shortstop was one of our worst rankings last year. And James, I don't know if you remember how our list shook out, but uh, they're not great looking a year back. I can I can tell you that you had Carlos Correa's highest number two. Uh, that did not really work out well. You got... Bobby Wood Jr. way down at 10. I'll raise my hand. Bobby Wood Jr. did not make my list. Uh, I also had Jeremy Pena on there, as did you. Uh, Corey Seager was at number four for both of us. I had Lindor at number one. Um, I snuck Javier Baez in as my number 10. Um, So that's a mistake. And I had name-redacted Tampa Bay Rays shortstop at number eight. James, you had name redacted Tampa Bay Rays shortstop as high as number four. Um, so our list did not turn out great, to say the least. But we're trying. And all of that to say that hopefully one of us gets it right here in 2024 because we did not get it right in 2023. But 
unless there's anything else anyone would like to throw out again happy new year happy holidays we've enjoyed covering baseball over the last year and we look forward to doing a go again so in the new year with a lot of fun interviews scheduled a new year's prediction episode coming out on monday so boys we all good yes sir all right so for dylan james nico and henry until the next time the side is retired